This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi everyone and welcome to Pixels, a podcast for the discerning gamer. Hello everyone and welcome to Pixels, the show where we talk about video game news from the past couple of weeks and we try to go behind the news, beyond the news, try to explain, analyze and make you understand why it's important and why it might not be. We sometimes manage to do it, especially when my good friend Garrett Wanderl is here with us and that's the case today. So woohoo, rejoice. How's it going, Garrett? I don't know how true all of that is. <laughs> I, think, I think last time we ended up talking about anime dubs. Well, okay, so it's true in the sense that I, I uh, put it on the box of the podcast uh, with the mention, you know, uh, it, as uh, heard on the podcast itself, this podcast is amazing. That's how I do it. So. <laughs> My name nice is Patrick Beja, by the way. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, the podcast box. It's, it's, you can get it somewhere. Don't know where, but uh, it's awesome. Uh, you know what? We have a bunch of stuff to talk about today. Uh, GDC happened, and PlayStation VR has a price and a release month. Um, there's a bunch of things from the GDC itself that I thought were interesting as well. Uh, a bunch of news on the Blizzard corner as well we're going to talk about. You're probably aware of most of them, but uh, still, it's there's a couple of interesting ones. And then um, Garrett tells us why he loves The Division. Because it's good, Patrick. Spoiler alert. Because yeah, it's good. So, and I tell you uh, what I think of it too. I'll I'll leave it at that. We'll uh, we'll discuss at that point. <laughs> Ooh, I I see some some headbutting coming. Yeah, might might be might be in the in the spirit of the anime dub and uh, sub discussion we've had. Mm. So friendly headbutting. Yeah, exactly. It did uh, get, I, I did get a few responses from people. You know, it got people reacting that anime thing. Uh, some people yeah, were it, it, completely in your camp. Some people were understanding where I was coming from. So, And I'm sure you got some people who are in the middle of the road who said they like both. Because that's how <laughs> well, this works, Patrick. People exactly. have different opinions. <laughs> that is how the internet works. Yeah. Um, all right. GDC, Sony went there and they brought their... PlayStation VR uh, VR headset, and they were like, "This it'll be available in October. It's gonna cost four hundred bucks. Buy it." And then people were like, "What?" And uh, Sony were like, "Yeah." And uh, then there were a few more details that came up, and it turns out it's not just 
400 bucks because you need the PlayStation camera for sure. That's 600 bucks. And you might want to get PlayStation moves as well. You might have some from your PlayStation 3 era. So you might have them already. Um, so yeah, but the basic package is 400 bucks available in October. That is definitely the cheapest of the quote unquote real um vr headsets i've been saying for months that i think uh sony has a giant open avenue in front of it to conquer that that first round of uh, the vr wars and uh with the a sub uh 400 dollars price you know on paper it, it is for you could buy it for that price um i think that was a decisive blow to their competitors what do you think? Yeah, I I agree. That's uh, I mean, it's still it's still such a high price point. Like it, to me, in my brain, it just does not compute that I can buy the console for cheaper than this accessory. <laughs> uh, also, not to mention, you also need the the, the camera. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, so that's let's say four fifty. If you want the camera as well, if you don't already yeah, four, have four fifty, that's a hundred dollars more than a PS four. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really insane. Well, you know what? If you want to buy a uh, PC VR, then uh, you go with the Oculus of the or the HTC Vive, and it costs more than the PS VR, but it's less than the device you're running it on. I was about so. to say that at least computes in my head because I'm like, well, my my rig costs a lot more than this, so right. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of people are saying the price, you know, you get the quality you pay for, and certainly the PSVR is less... less good um it's not as good as the pc vr headsets it's more comfortable every report we've had and and when i've tried it i've had the same impression it is definitely more comfortable to have on your head which you know you might think what does that matter but when you're supposed to have it for half an hour or an hour or longer on your head i think it's going to count um but i I don't want to be um i don't want to be like kylo ren where it looks like this thing is so damn heavy (laughs) that it's inspiring rage (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that that could be the Kylo Ren uh, helmet experience for sure. Um, <laughs> by the way, PlayStation is getting Sony is getting the exclusive to the VR experience for Battlefront, so you that might actu- that it. actually excites the hell out of me because that game is so pretty. Like, I just uh, I, I want to be immersed in that world. So bring it on. I think there are going to be a, a bunch of them, but um, the so. Okay, just to finish on the hardware, I think it's absolutely fair to say that the PlayStation VR is going to be less uh, um, technically uh, impressive than the other headsets are going to be. The Oculus VR, which is releasing in a a week now, um, is definitely, it has better resolution, you know, it's better quality for the screen, all of that. That's for sure. The thing that is key, though, at least that's that was my feeling, and that's been echoed by everyone who I've heard uh, who had tried that PlayStation VR, is that the PlayStation VR is good enough that it gives you the VR wow effect. And it, it's certainly the, you're going to notice the pixels and the graphics are not going to be as good as your, you know, $1,500 PC but it's still good enough that it has no lag, uh, good FPS, and um, the the experience as a whole is a VR experience. It's not like, you know, when you get a Google Cardboard with your phone in it and you're like, oh, this is, you know, kind of like VR, I guess, but it doesn't <laughs> really work as well, right? 
on the, on the PlayStation VR, the effect that you're supposed to get on the uh, when you try VR is there. At least that was my experience. So I think that's the key. They are at the right price point that allows them to make it cheaper than the others, but still deliver the experience. And I think that is why that is a key, you know, metric that makes them uh, a favorite in that uh, battle. Um, I also think there's another thing that very few people are thinking about, but it's the distribution network that Sony has. You know, the PlayStation VR is going to be everywhere. It's going to be at, you know, at Best Buy, at Walmart. It's going to be every store. Obviously, it's going to be at uh, GameStop and and the uh, specialist hobbyist stores, but it's also going to be everywhere else. And that makes it by default, sort of the the most widely available and most successful one as well. Things right. might we're change a, in the second year. We're not assuming that we're going to walk into a Walmart or Target uh, and see an, an Oculus chilling on the shelf. Like that's <laughs> yeah, highly unlikely that that's going to be the the way that you purchase an Oculus Rift. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You're you're very likely going to have to order to order it off the internet or to go to a very specific store maybe, but but that is also, you know, a key aspect of uh the the, the that uh that battle that the headsets are going to to wage. So um I think that's super super important too. And uh, and then there are the games. Uh, Oculus is going to have 30 games available when it launches uh, next week. Um there are a bunch of different uh, different ones. Sony said there are going to be 5 games available at launch but uh, 50 by the end of the year. So it's going to trickle down uh, relatively quickly. Um and then you know, there were a few teachings from the uh, GDC talks. And I think the one that that was the most surprising was the fact that uh, apparently the games that are the most comfortable to play are third-person games, third-person VR games, not first-person. That was weird. So strange to me. It's you know I think the thing is if you if you place yourself in in first person it comes with so many uh constraints like first of all in order to look anywhere you have to move your head you don't have a a a lot of uh peripheral not peripheral vision but awareness of what's around you whereas well I third- mean you have to move your head if the game is built on a, the gyroscopic aspect of the headset rather than just using a controller like usual Aha, but the problem is, if you do that and you move your vision without moving your head, then you get super seasick and you puke, right? That is where things don't apparently work as well. Um, And also, then what do you do with your head when you're moving? What's the point of moving your head if you're already moving your vision with the controller, Uh, Well, uh, I'm personally (laughs) uh, mildly terrified of (laughs) having uh, any of these games where I actually have to look around. I kind of just want to put it on, sit on the couch and play with the controller like usual. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess the experience can be that as well. But I think for the the biggest, the longest, uh, um, the games that you're going to be playing the longest are Mm -hmm. the games that provide that kind of experience. Yes, that you're going to be sitting down and moving your head to look here or there from time to time, but certainly you're not going to be... If you have to move your head all the time, imagine the amount of effort that you're asking a gamer to do. No one's going to move their head. 
Also, God forbid you have a really small room. Like all of a sudden you have to play all your games in a swivel chair so you can go 360. Like <laughs> I don't I don't see that ha- I don't see that happening. I I have I have no interest in that world, Patrick. I don't want to live in it. Well, uh, apparently, uh, the best experience, well, not the best, but the things that work really well are third person. So you're not necessarily going to have to move your, I'm not even sure how those work as well. Um, but you're probably going to have to move your head and swivel your chair less because the third person perspective allows you to have more of a view of what's happening. And then maybe you're looking around or moving around with your controller. I, I don't know. I don't know. how. I, it's I mean, that's that's how I assume. And you're also kind of bringing up another thing that I'm, I'm really interested in, uh, you know, maybe not right now, but like next year, <laughs> like how are uh, any of any outlets going to, you know, how, how are we, how are we going to show the VR experience? Like if, we, if I go over to like game trailers and I want to watch a review of a VR game, how am I... <laughs> How how is that being conveyed to me that this is any good or how are they visually showing me this game? I think uh, the thing is, sorry, go ahead. No, sorry, go, you go right I, ahead. So the thing is, I think once you've tried it yourself, you can sort of approximate what another experience is going to be like, right? I, I think the, the big point. hurdle is once you've tried it, and again, that sort of brings up the, the dominance of uh, Sony in the distribution, in the retail market. Um, they're going to be able to put them, put demo stations in many different stores. So you're going to have that experience and it's going to be sort of get you into that world. Uh, but once you've had that, I think it's it's fair to assume that, you know, if someone explains to you how it works and hell, you can just put on a helmet if you have one you put it on and there's a video in th- in vr that explains to you what is happening and and sort of a test version of the game no yeah, yeah. Hmm. that's true yeah i think i think it's going to be i mean yeah anyway we still don't have any we still don't even know uh whether or not the vr thing is going to work out period um maybe it's going to turn out that after a couple of hours, you get so tired and it's so gimmicky that you don't want to play with it anymore. In which case, I think buying the 400 ver- uh, euros or dollars headset is probably a better deal. Um, uh, by the way, there's a bundle with a PlayStation camera and two Move controllers that is going to be 500 bucks. And that's going to be available in a few days as well for pre-order. I hope it's coming to uh, Europe as well, that bundle. I'm not sure it is, but... Uh um while we're on the topic of uh, sony um they have had a discussion there's been a discussion about a potential version 4.5 of the playstation basically a, a playstation 4k that would be just the regular playstation but able to uh, display 4k maybe have a little bit more of beefy specs for vr uh, management but um definitely able to display 4k on on uh, the 4K TVs, possibly even your games. And some people have been saying, well, this is interesting when you compare that to what Microsoft has been saying that we talked about last time um, about the possibility of having um, different versions of the machine of the Xbox One uh, being upgraded over time. Every few years, they they would still play the same games, but you would get a new version that would play them a little bit better and a little bit better. And then 
over maybe two or three or four generations, then you would drop the generation from 10 years ago and the games wouldn't play on that one. Um, and so people are assuming a PlayStation 4K would kind of be the same thing. I don't think it would be. Um, I think it would just be a PlayStation 4 that plays things in 4K and that's it. And you still have all the same games everywhere. But uh, what do you think? Uh Again, mildly terrified. I don't really want to have to worry about my consoles like I do my smartphone. Um, yeah, that's exactly the analogy, right? Trade-in programs suck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you never, you never get enough for it, and uh, I don't know. I, I oh man, I it's because it, uh, I'm a I'm you know I'm a PC gamer. I have a, I have a nice PC that outperforms every console in my home, but I also have my consoles because I like couch gaming. Uh, so I don't know. You're 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 talking to the wrong demographics. Like, well, I already have my really expensive thing that I'm always tinkering with and buying new things for. So please don't do this because I just want my <laughs> console to be good for eight years. I think you know it's a lot of a lot of people are saying this, and I think it's uh, I, I think they're overthinking what this might be. Uh, it it it's a similar model to the phones, but I don't think they would ever release one console per year. It would be, you know, one console every four years and you would keep one every, for, you know, a couple of generations and then you would change every eight years your console and it would still play all your games and you wouldn't have to worry about rebuying an HHD version of the games you already have or you know, I think it's it's well, wasn't wasn't Microsoft though talking about a possible two year cycle? Maybe two years. All right. Let's say it's two years and you skip a couple of generations. That's you change your console every six years. Isn't that acceptable? Well, I mean, it, I mean, this is all hypothetical. It depends. Yes, of course. And, of course. Providing I'm not getting locked out of any games on my console that I spent a ton of money on, then yeah, that's fine. But if I am getting locked out of any content, then I'm sitting here getting real pissed. <laughs> I Yeah, that's understandable. I don't think they would lock out people unless it would be like three or four generations old. Uh, I think that would be suicide if they did it. It would work like a PC. You get the same game, but with lesser graphics maybe than you would if you had the latest version of the console. That still pisses some people off. But I'm also curious how that would work on the development end, like how convenient that would be. Well, it works the same way it does on PC. I guess it's a little bit more of a headache for the developers, but they all develop their games for PCs anyway. So, all right, but on the PC, they develop a menu system where you can tweak it yourself. We've never really seen anything like that on consoles, short of you know turning off cussing and blood. Yeah. Uh, no, I I think it would be aut- automatic. It it sets the graphics that are adapted to your device. It doesn't give you a choice. I, oh, right, guessing. right. But that's what that's what I'm saying. Is I'm, I'm curious uh, how easy and slash or difficult that would be to uh, to work with. Yeah, because that's. I mean, I would assume that's one of the the pluses of of working uh, on a title for a console. It's like, well, I know exactly the hardware we're working with, as opposed to the PC side of things. Where it's like, oh man, we have to uh, <laughs> we have to take into account a lot of uh, a lot of potentials. Um. Yeah, I mean, yes, it would be, they wouldn't have just one console to worry about. They would have like three, which is, again, uh, akin to the world of smartphones. And if you look at iOS and that ecosystem, it's okay. It's not, you know, they might have maybe, I don't know, six or seven different types of devices to worry about, maybe a little bit more. But it's not like you have a hundred thousand like you do in the in the pc ecosystem so it wouldn't be that much more difficult i don't think 
Anyway, this is all speculation, uh, but it was interesting that uh, on the heels of Microsoft announcing a potential upgrade path for their console, uh, Sony is getting rumors about the potential PlayStation 4K, so... Uh, I thought I'd mention it. Also, uh, Microsoft has been saying, hey, we're open to the idea of having uh, network, uh, cross-network play. Like, if you want to play with your friends on other networks, without naming Sony, they were saying, yeah, no problem, you could do it uh, if the other networks are okay with it. And then Sony was like, yeah, fine, we could, you know, we're okay with other networks. Like, we do it with PCs already. We've been doing it forever, unlike, you know... uh, Microsoft, who sort of made it seem like for Rocket League, it was sort of a uh, new thing that they were bringing to the console world. Um, But they didn't, they were sort of, they sounded a little bit uh, less enthusiastic about the idea. Obviously, they have the dominant platform for this cycle, so they wouldn't benefit much from that uh, compatibility with uh, Xbox One's network if you would be able to play games against uh, your friends that are on the on the other network. Um, the only people who would benefit from this are the players. I thought Sony was all about the gamers. How, how, how do they put it? This, this is for the players. Is there tagline? Um, <laughs> But anyway, the the Rocket League is ready to go. They're like, yeah, we can do it. If you if you sort out your your crap, we can get people to play from uh, Xbox One to PC to PlayStation Network. We don't care. So and the pendulum of who is showing themselves as the good guy swings back in the other direction. <laughs> so would you? I I guess it would be only beneficial to all of us gamers if if that did happen, right? Right, which is why it'll never happen. <laughs> <laughs> Such a, a, a cynical person. I didn't realize you were that uh, that dark, Garrett. It might. Uh, well, I mean, it's hilarious, right? I mean, we've got we've got Sony that has already done the cross-platform of PC players, as opposed to Microsoft. You know, the company that makes the OS most PC gamers are using. <laughs> uh, like that's hilarious, and and yeah, no, I mean, you you said it. You just didn't say it with a with, with a little bit of malice behind your the tone of your yeah. voice. <laughs> yeah. You straight up said, well, well, this benefits Microsoft because Sony's currently winning. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it might happen for, for some games, maybe. I mean, Rocket League is pushing, and it's sort of the thing where Sony can't really say, no, we don't want it to happen. They can only sort of remain vague, and, and if they're pressed too much, uh, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, it would definitely be good for, for us. That would be wonderful. I would love it. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I have I have both, but I don't have I don't buy two copies of a game. So of course, for the most part, I do have two copies of Destiny. Don't judge you me. People. Do yeah. Huh. Interesting. I do I, I picked it up for Xbox on sale so I could play with my Microsoft buddies? Wow! And so you're re-leveling different characters. I definitely fell off on the Xbox because mm. right, right. <laughs> yeah. more of my friends were playing on PlayStation. Yeah. And just to be clear, I'm pretty sure that you wouldn't be able to play FPSs, for example, PC versus consoles, because PCs are have a, a, a very clear advantage. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, I would not assume that would be the case. Yeah. It would just be probably for, you know, games like Rocket League or uh, Street Fighter V or, you know, any game that plays in the same way on all I platforms. Could so. it, um, I could see it and would love it for The Division, actually. I mean, it's a third-person shooter, but it's really more of an RPG. So, 
Yeah, maybe it wouldn't matter as much. Uh, but still, I mean, on PC, you're able to aim so much better. Even in, with a, a third-person shooter, I think it would give them an advantage, wouldn't it? I, I guess. I, I mean, yeah, I, I guess in the dark zone. But yeah. anywhere yeah, else, yeah, exactly, nobody cares. Exactly. Yeah. It's PvE. True. Um, so, yeah, a, a couple of more uh, talks that I thought were interesting in that uh, GDC. There was the first one was, um, uh, who was it? Uh, Frank uh, Sifaldi, yeah, I guess. Uh, he is at uh, Digital Eclipse. Uh, he is head of restoration. Basically, he made a talk, he did, gave a talk about uh, emulation and the importance of preserving our uh, media's history. He's saying he was giving examples, uh, making parallels with films. Um, he was saying, quote, according to the Film Foundation, over half the films made before 1950s are gone. I don't mean that you can't buy these on DVD. I mean, they're gone. They don't exist anymore. Um, and he said that for films produced before 1920, that number jumps to 80%. And I thought that was a really striking, um, a really striking example of because, you know, rightfully so on the short term, a lot of developers and uh, publishers are saying you can't use our games, you can't do anything with them because it's go it goes against our copyright. Um, we might be losing parts of the history of our, our, of our art form. And that is really sad. Um, I think there's the, the emulators and the uh, preservers are doing a good job at saving everything they can. I think most of the game, the number of games that have absolutely disappeared is, is, uh, very small, but there's certainly a sentiment, uh, when it comes to emulation. And yes, some pirates use them for sure, but, um, it's, it's basically the, the, the important part of it is preservation. And it, he was saying something along the lines of, it wouldn't be awesome if we had archivists whose, whose job would be to go out and seek all of those uh, uh, games and make put them in a safe place somewhere. And then he was like, yes, it, there are those people, but we're calling them pirates instead of, you know, the, the wonderful archivists that they are. And, uh, I think in the long run, yes, piracy is an issue, but in this case, it is absolutely more important that we preserve everything we can uh, than, you know, making sure that at some point we have them and they're safe somewhere. And and piracy be damned, it, it's not as big a deal, uh, I don't think. So, Well, as someone who has uh, played so many ROMs, I've lost track. Obviously, I'm in your camp, <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a huge ethical gray area, right? Like, um, I mean, how much of this be, even being an issue do we chalk up to the dawn of the HD remake? Um, and not to mention uh, the Nintendo eShop, yeah, <laughs> which is increasingly uh, rubbing me the wrong way. Absolutely, but, um, yeah. Like, because I don't, I don't. I don't know because we're never going to get this perfect world, right? Where all of this stuff is uh, is archived, can be found in the same place, can be played on whatever the hell we feel like playing it on. That's just not going to happen. Um, and as much as it may annoy someone like you or me, I mean that it is these these companies, these publishers, you know, 
prerogative to do to to hold these back or make them available again and make you buy it again. That's it's it's on them. They that they have the rights. Yeah, no, absolutely. It is but when you look at the danger, the potential issue um that that this creates, I think it should be a little bit of a uh I don't know, a, an alarm that sounds off somewhere. And to be honest, I'm sure some people play arcade games over and over again on their, you know, MAME emulator. But really, is it a, a super... It's kind of like worrying about uh, uh, TV show piracy. And yes, it is a problem, absolutely. But if, if you make it available easily and cheaply, people are going to pay for it, right? I think that's what Netflix has shown. And that's what the all, point... Yeah, I mean, what it all boils down to the same thing happened yeah. with music and iTunes. I mean, exactly. I think the point is, I'm not trying to say it's not a, a an issue. It definitely is, and certainly for the games that just came out, maybe in the last two, three, four, five years, it's definitely a problem because there are some people that will just pirate. But I don't think that archiving, you know, all the ROMs you can from the arcade era and the super old Nintendo games, some games that no one cares about, this is not for the games that you're going to be putting out again and again. You know, it's not for the Zeldas, it's not for the Marios. Those, we know that they're always going to be available. There's no question that those games are not only going to be available somewhere because there were so many of them uh, sold, uh, but also they're going to be coming back over and over again, you know, in some form or another. I think it's more for the, the, the history, as we were saying, of the medium that we need to have to preserve as much as we can of everything, not the successful ones, everything else as well. So I agree. Um, yeah, there, there was another talk that I wanted to mention. Um, it was uh, Henry K. Lode, uh, who's a game developer, and who mentioned something about the different types of games that she wants to make, and she doesn't really get um, the opportunity to make because they're too weird and people are freaked out about them. And it's not weird in the that weird kind of sense. It made me think like... When I read those ideas, it's not necessarily the games that I absolutely want to make, to, to play, but it's the game that I would like to have the opportunity to see and experience. So let me give you a few examples. Um, she says, quote, last year at the Nordic Game Jam, I wanted to make a game about the role of an untrained helper during childbirth. Um, she <laughs> said, unfortunately, the people I was jamming with were too scared of what the graphics would look like. So instead, we ended up making a racing game where you would have to drive a pregnant lady to a hospital before she gives birth. All right. Uh, yes, I understand this is weird. And your little uh, nervous laughter just now uh, definitely supports that idea that it is weird. Hey, man, l listen, uh, I, I, I usually... Uh, I try to be pretty forward thinking and, uh, and progressive, uh, in my life, but I've seen those pregnancy tapes. They made me watch in high school. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> but I, I mean, why don't we have those kinds of things available if you want to, it's the kind of thing you never see, right? Unless, you know, you well, want to be in the room when your, 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 your wife gives birth or if you're the wife you i don't know look at a video to see what's going to happen to you and it's terrifying if, if, I mean, if it's, it's my own wife that's that's a different scenario from of course well, <laughs> Just here, here uh. it's not someone you know someone else that you're looking at it's a computer thing i mean it's okay keep keep going 
Um, but my uh, kind of my gut reaction to this was: I mean, Are we really in a day and age where there's a whole lot stopping you from making the game you want to make? Um, I think you need at least a couple of people, two or three. And she, uh, the point of her talk was that you don't need a lot of people, but apparently people don't want to do that. And all right, maybe that one is a little bit too... And she wasn't, you know, she didn't seem to be super vindictive about it. She was just saying, it's too bad that we can't do things like that. That one, all right, let's set it aside for a second. Another idea. Uh, she says, I want to make a game about xenophobia and racial bias where you are a courier who has to deliver packages, but every day your avatar is randomized. And if you appear like a person of color or a Muslim, people receiving the package might react in different ways depending on their bias. That sounds like an interesting, you know, it's not necessarily a game, but it's kind of an interesting experience, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. All but right. Again, I feel like um, I feel like you could find a, a small team of people that would be interested in making this game. It's just going to be significantly more difficult than finding someone who wants to make a dragon game. Yeah, true. <laughs> and I mean, we've had some some game experiences that were pretty out there in the past few years with indie games but uh, maybe it's just that those games seem interesting to me and i would like to to see them be birthed onto the world oh uh, some of the, the the independent games that have been coming out have been just i, I think incredibly interesting i mean i, I they, they i for me i see that like def, definitely uh swinging more into like this this realm of almost like performance art uh than traditional game making but uh, I mean, it is game. It's something you can play. It's an interactive experience. And so that's that's what I'm thinking of when I'm reading this. I'm like, no, no, these games, they can get made. Some th similar games have been made, um, but you just have to jump through more hoops. And, and, and I feel like that's the same with just about uh, any medium. If you if you want to do something that's uh, significantly against uh, what is what is popular, you're going to have to, you know, walk a lot further to get it completed. True, true. Yeah, I guess you're you're right. Uh, you've convinced me, uh, which happens sometimes. See, yeah. Um, which I'm not. I'm not trying to to discredit her her talk. Um, she brings up some really super interesting points, and some of these ideas for games sound fantastic. Please make them. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, um, we could give a few examples of those, but let me read you the the next two, uh, and then we'll move on. Um, she was talking about a game which is a VR experience where your avatar is a private investigator in a wheelchair. You have to follow people around, take pictures, eavesdrop on conversations, but sometimes your targets uh, walk down the stairs, and you might miss part of the conversation while you waited in the elevator, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Another one was I want to make a games about uh, taboo topics like domestic violence against men but i realized that i'm not a man and i don't have any experience with domestic violence so i would like i would love to brainstorm the concept with people who do in a community where they feel safe enough to share their personal experiences um so i think there are there are some really interesting things there and I, ultimately i think you're right um we've seen games i mean the two that come to me right now would be things like papers please or yeah, this war of exactly. mine or yeah, Papers, Please. That's all I've, like, in my brain has just been like, Papers, Please, Papers, Please. That yeah. game got made. That game is nuts. Like, that pushes yeah. the envelope. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, if nothing else, you know, she is, uh, the, the the ideas that she was talking about were really interesting. So, um, that was, that was a, an interesting talk also. And uh, those are the two that I wanted to highlight in the show. I'm also, uh, I, I thought the, the, the game that features uh, women who don't want to remove their body hair was super interesting. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's that kind of, anyway, um, 
Yeah, it's. I think it at some point it borders on societal study almost. Um, but yeah, it, there are there are um, uh, games that are like this as well in the space right now. So, uh, Blizzard. There's been a bunch of news about Blizzard games, and I thought I'd make them into a bundle and uh, deliver them to you here. Um, Overwatch is a show we really a show a game we really love. You and I, <laughs> and we do a, do a show about right. Um, <laughs> Overwatchers, if you haven't listened, go and do it now. Uh, so it's launching May twenty fourth. You get an open beta for everyone in early May on the fifth. And if you pre order or pre purchase the game, you get early access to the um, open beta on the third and fourth. And the open beta is going to be available on all three platforms, meaning PC, PS four, and Xbox One. Um, that is an excellent opportunity for everyone to try out the game before uh, they are going to buy it and, you know, make sure they like it. I don't see why anyone would not want to buy the game. I've I've certainly tried to convince everyone that the game is awesome. But um, yeah, it's good news. Cool stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm so stoked for Overwatch. It's <laughs> just, just launch already. I just want everyone in this game are are you still playing uh you know as much as you did when the beta came back no but that's because uh mostly the division (laughs) (laughs) mostly the division is to blame for that that and uh heroes of the storm has had a lot of stuff happening in it lately Hmm. oh actually i didn't put the heroes of the storm news in the thing so maybe we'll get to it uh very quickly Uh, i mean it, it for the big the big thing is bands are coming huzzah everyone rejoice yeah, I saw that. Um, there is also a bunch of uh, stuff happening in the world of Overwatch, the uh, expanded universe, I guess. With uh, The first animated short was uh, uh, published yesterday at the, recording, at the time of recording of this show. There are more coming. We don't know how many exactly. I hope tons and tons. Uh, there are uh, digital comics, uh, lots of different things, comic, uh, comics, period. Um, uh, Tracer is going to show up in Heroes of the Storm as well. It's uh, Overwatch Fiesta. What did you think of uh, the animated short with featuring Winston? I loved it to pieces. I I want more. I want a feature length film. <laughs> I, I would sit and watch this. This it's so good. I mean, it's just oozing Pixar. Uh, it's so clearly inspired by Pixar. It's uh, ridiculous, but it's, that's 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 a compliment. I saw uh, again comments on Reddit. So amazing. Um, there was one post about the uh, the short, uh, the animated short, and the first comment was, "Wow." Uh, Blizzard does Pixar quality, and the reply to this was no. Pixar does Blizzard quality, and that that made me smile. Okay, that's taking a little far, people. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it, it, it's really good. You know, I didn't like the short as much as I would have loved to like it. Um, I thought on the story front, it was a little bit, a tiny bit weak. It was sort of expected. Um, I, I still enjoyed seeing a little bit of the story of Winston and, and seeing where he comes from and what made him and all of this. Uh, but quality-wise, I was floored. It was so good, so high quality. And yes, it's it's definitely the kind of thing that I can't wait to see more of. And building that world that we've been if you've listened to overwatchers uh even once you've heard us uh you know 
be marvel at the amount of world building that this game does with just multiplayer games uh there's no story mode and already they're doing incredible amounts and with this short uh for people who haven't played the game who aren't in the beta yet um there are so many points of reference in the short where it brings you back to places and elements of the game and you're like oh this is what that is this yeah, explains he, it, why winston is sitting in Watchpoint gibraltar with his extra suit in the corner and his tire it's, hanging like uh yeah i had the exact same reaction because for for me one of the biggest complaints with 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 overwatch was you know i go to blizzcon and i and i listen to chris metz and talk about how awesome these characters are and i'm just like dude none of this is represented in the game <laughs> like at all and then i get this short and i'm like yes more of this please uh my my one nitpick uh is that uh i believe the short uh just does more to prove my point that reaper is one of the most boring characters in history (laughs) he's just he's just dark and evil and he has nothing really interesting to bring to the table well maybe we're gonna have a short about uh his his story and and see i I hope so because that makes me sad because reaper is my favorite character to play so I wonder if we're going to get one per character or, you know, one with one good guy and one guy, bad girl. Um, that sounds wrong. Or, or um, bad guy. Bad guy. Or bad, or bad person. Bad person. I'm be that, one good that person. Dis- yes. That disgusting, politically correct person right now. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. Um, um, yeah. Maybe, oh, I, I really wish we're, all of them are going to be represented, but not like we're going to throw one animated short with like 15 of them. And it's just like trying to make a movie about Street Fighter at this point and it becomes ridiculous. I hope we get like 10 shorts with... I, I, I'm guessing it's going to be more like four. Uh, but I, I would hope we get 10 with two characters' features per featured per episode or so. And so they get enough time to get developed a little bit. Uh, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, just keep them coming. I really, uh, I really enjoy this. As someone who I know he's not... Uh, I know he's an ape, not a monkey, but as someone who traditionally does not particularly like monkeys or apes, I think they're gross and creepy. Uh, they made me love the baby Winston. You know, he was adorable. He is uh, adorable. Get on, you guys. Um, anyway, if you haven't seen that short yet, just go to, I think it's the Xbox uh, channel. It's xbox.com slash Overwatch. They have a deal with Blizzard, apparently. Um, I don't think they're going to have anything exclusive, but certainly on the marketing side, they're marketing uh, Overwatch more for the Xbox than they are for uh, the PlayStation. So, Oh, yeah. The same thing's happening with, uh, I think it's the Division. Like I watch yeah. those commercials, and there's no indication whatsoever that, that this game is available on anything other than an Xbox One. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, what are you playing on, by the way? Xbox One, because that's oh, where my, my right. buddies picked it up. Uh, even though I just got a brand new video card, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm sure the Division looks beautiful. But <laughs> multiple friends were like, yeah, I got it from my Xbox. I'm like, ah, I guess that's where I'm getting it. Um, Whispers of the Old Gods is the next Hearthstone expansion. It's themed on, well, you wouldn't have guessed, the Old Gods from uh, Azeroth that were imprisoned beneath the the Earth. Um, And it will be released in late April, early May. So it's still at least two, uh, I would say four to six weeks away. Uh, That was a little bit of a letdown because for the last piece of content, it was uh, League of Explorers. It was a lot of bit of a letdown. Let's let's be honest. Yeah. So yeah, you do a show about uh, Hearthstone. What is the deal with that uh, expansion? Um, uh, it's it's hard to say, right? Because they haven't shown us all that much. 
Well, uh, now we must have what thirty cards at this point. No, maybe less? no, no, not quite, and and that's still not enough. Um, if you're going to have a, a set with over a hundred cards, it's really hard uh, to judge uh, how excited to be or not to be for the expansion when when they're they're doing this kind of drip feed. Granted, it makes my job as a as somebody who has to produce a show about this stuff a lot easier because it's like, cool, we only have five cards, we can talk about each and every one per week. Let's go. Uh, but as uh, in terms of getting hyped for the uh, for the expansion, it's 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 hard. You, you you don't know. You have to look at each card in a vacuum, and that doesn't tell you a whole lot. Mm. Well, they did show a little bit of uh, one of the uh, card synergies that is going to be happening with uh, Ktoon, which is one of the old gods, and uh, there are a bunch of cards that affect Ktoon. Basically. Um, if you get one of those cards, it might give Ktoon a more health and attack and basically it grows in your deck it grows and grows and grows until finally you can play it and it is devastating yes Um, it's a uh, a murderous chia pet yeah and and the thing it's that is kind of fun uh for new and returning players is that once if you buy the uh, initial pack that is 45 euros i think um you have a guaranteed uh tune which is a legendary so it is kind um, of i don't think there's any purchase necessary i believe if you log in during the launch uh, event you're guaranteed to get them oh all right well i didn't realize okay I that's even better that's the case um, okay i know you get a free pack or two and i'm pretty sure you, you're guaranteed to get Cthulhu. And the thing is, um, you get uh, so you get that card that has synergies with a lot of the cards you're going to get from the packs. So it sort of helps you build that. We don't know how good it's going to be, but it gets you back into the, the the mood and allows you to do something with that new expansion that is uh, productive from the beginning. So uh, everyone will have something to look forward to when they open those packs. I think that's really smart of the way they're they're handling it because. It, especially for returning players who might think the game has become too complex, uh, it's going to give them a clear path to a deck they can build and have fun with this new expansion. Absolutely, I'm 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 obviously excited for it, but um, I, I I just I just want to see more. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, there's the other thing which is really cool for returning players is the um, recipes, the deck recipes, which are basically um, established decks that they they tell you uh, this is a cool deck for your class. They offer a couple of different decks and uh, they give you the deck basically as if you would go over the internet and look for a cool deck. They just give it to you in game, tell you which cards are included in the deck, and if there is a few that you don't have, they suggest replacements for those cards so that is a super cool feature as well for returning players if you've ever tried hearthstone and uh, you didn't get into it or stopped playing a year ago i think that's a great way to get back in i really like deck recipes i think they did a, a, a stellar job with it i really hope they update the decks uh you know in me the, too yeah. me too I, I was thinking the same thing um you have to right because as new cards come out uh things are gonna are gonna fall off and, and not be available and standard and uh, we're gonna get new archetypes that we never thought existed before um i mean they they have some archetypes in there that i would argue don't exist now uh, like <laughs> beast druid uh but but it's uh it's it's cool it's 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 so cool to see them uh continually uh, updating the game to make it a better experience for brand new players. And yeah. uh, I think Deck Recipes absolutely delivers on that. And um, yeah, hopefully every six months or so they will update them. I really hope so. That would be dope. 
Um, quick news, they keep updating, they updated Diablo 2 and Warcraft 3. I mean, Warcraft 3 is getting a new update as well. Basically, they are still updating games that are 15 years old um, and making them able to run on the current systems. That is super cool. I mean, I personally don't want to go back and play Diablo 2 anymore because it I don't doesn't either. look great. But it looks it looks pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really cool that you know they're supporting the game 15 years after it's been launched. Think of where you were 15 years ago, possibly playing Diablo 2. But um, we yeah. had uh, the demo on all of our computers in our computer lab. Really? Um, I see you were spending lots of time studying, sir. We also, yeah. Speaking of emulators, we also had emulators on every single one of them, and we had a networked so that we could. Uh, play against each other on the uh, Super Nintendo Dragon Ball Z fighting games that were only in Japanese that we all had installed on each computer. Oh, that game was so cool. Yeah, it was fun as hell. It was awesome. But, uh, oh, right, so emulators. So that was, right, it must have come out in 94, 96, 95, something like that. Probably, and this would have been... Um, no, not even. That was Well, it was a Super Nintendo that. game, so yeah. that sounds about right. Hmm. And uh, I mean, this we're talking uh, 2001, 2002, uh, when I was starting high school when we had this and uh, we were, God, it was the old um, IMAX with the like colored shells that look like TVs. (laughs) That's what we had. (laughs) Nice. All right. Well, you know what? You can reminisce by playing Diablo 2 now on your brand new machine. I'm good. I'd rather play Warcraft 3 again. <laughs> yeah, Warcraft 3 is looks a little bit better for sure. It holds it's up a, pretty well, man. It's, it's it's a good and for me it has a huge nostalgia factor. That is uh where my my love affair with Blizzard began was Warcraft 3. Yeah, understandable. Um well, that's it for the big news items. Uh, before we move on to The Division and a bunch of other smaller news, uh, I want to thank Zombie Joe 3, not Zombie Joe 2, but Zombie Joe 3, who left a comment and a review on the iTunes store in the US. Uh, he says, really wish I started listening sooner. And for that, you have all my love, Zombie Joe. Uh, this has been one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. Patrick does a great job bringing interesting stories to the table and discusses them in a, thor- uh, in a thoughtful and smart way. I really look forward to each new episode. Thank you so much. That makes me feel so warm and happy. That's the best compliment uh, anyone can give about the show, right? Saying that just that- makes me feel uh, impressed that a zombie can speak so well. Well, you know, maybe the show isn't that good and it's just that the the zombie, it, you know, it's it's good for a zombie. So yeah, it's kind of yeah. like, yeah, mm, now you're dampening my enthusiasm. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Thank you so much, Zombie Joe. Um, if you think the show is cool and you want to let other people know about it, then uh, go to iTunes or your podcast catalog of choice and uh, rate it. Give us a, a large number of stars if you like it and uh, leave us a review because it helps, it helps other people discover the show because it gets us higher in the rankings and all of that good stuff. Uh, the Division, finally. So The Division is selling like hotcakes and it is making tons of money and it is getting awesome reviews and everyone is loving it. Basically, it made uh, $330 million in its opening week, which is the best ever for a new franchise, more than the previous uh, record holder, which was Destiny. And Oh, uh, snap. <laughs> yeah, Drop I that know. gauntlet. 
And um, they also had a, a sales record in the first 24 hours also for a new franchise. Basically, they did apparently better than uh, Watch Dogs, which was for a new franchise, the highest selling game uh, in history. So that kind of that makes me sad. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, when you talk about Watch Dogs, you're like, oh, and then, you know, things fell apart and the game isn't remembered very fondly there, there uh, were but, things about watchdogs that i enjoyed um but the game overall was pretty crappy but uh it's it's funny because the thing i probably enjoyed the most was the cover system and it's more or less here in the division i hear there are a number i didn't play watchdogs but i hear there are a number of elements that uh, you can see the affiliation between yeah. the two but uh, but i mean this isn't watchdogs and it's definitely getting raving review i don't think i've ever heard anyone say that overall the game wasn't good and that they didn't like everyone loves it right so tell us what you think and what's your experience well i mean i um when it was first shown at, at e3 what like three years ago something, something like, like that. that um i thought it looked fantastic i was i was very excited about it um because I, I was very excited for destiny as well um but I, I, I knew I was going to be in the Destiny. It was like the sci-fi fantasy thing, and I'm always into that. But every now and then, I want something that's a little more grounded, but isn't Call of Duty, uh, which is definitely not very grounded anymore. Um, but uh, So I was really excited about The Division. Um, and I was also a big Ubisoft fan. I, I mean, I've played damn near every single Assassin's Creed and loved them to hell and back. I even, you know, beat Watch Dogs. And uh, so I was really stoked. But, I mean, y- you know, the last few years, Ubisoft hasn't necessarily been living up to their... Uh, announcement to, to, trailers yeah, yes yes uh, or even releasing uh, games that function uh, completely <laughs> uh, aka unity um but uh so so i was getting less and less hyped for watchdogs and um you know every year they they had something to show i'm like yeah okay it still looks cool can i just play the game already <laughs> um so so my, my hype was waning so when it when it finally came out actually i didn't get it on launch day i, I waited uh, and you know, more and more of my Xbox buddies were picking it up and like, dude, no, it's really good. You should get in here. So um, I was finally getting better from my illness and I went out and picked it up on uh, the Friday after it had released. And um, I'm just I'm so surprised by how much I like this game. Um, and and I'm, I'm I think part of that is my diminished expectations. Uh, but I, I, I like it so damn much um destiny also probably had a, a, a role to play in me kind of guarding myself because <laughs> i was so excited for destiny when i picked it up i was incredibly disappointed <laughs> so all right what do you like how is it how good is it how is it good what what's the i mean everyone I, has heard about it but uh, yeah yeah I, I i like third person shooters there's not enough of them out there i feel like um i was a huge fan of gears of war on the 360 even though i don't like the aesthetic or like i don't i'm not a huge fan of the art direction i think it's uh it's it's like a, a fever dream mixed with roid rage uh but i love the way it plays I, I liked the cover system i loved hacking people up with chainsaws and i had a good time with that and i had nothing's really uh scratched that itch since uh since three came out for me um because i avoided the the one that came out after that because it looked pretty crappy um so so the division's really um it's scratching that third-person shooter, that really solid cover system itch for me. I love the cover system. It is so good. Uh, and I'm surprised how mobile my character is. Like, uh, um, I don't know. I just right, I that, love that getting up on That system where you, you select the place you want to go to cover and just press a button and you... Yeah, and he just, and he just runs like hell. He just does whatever he needs to do. 
to get to that cover and bullets are whizzing past your head. And I, I love that. And also on uh, like, I'm, I've, I've been really impressed by the level design. There's, um, there's always a, there's always like a place where there's a good angle that you, you, you kind of accidentally discover. It's like, Oh crap, I can jump up on this, uh, this, this truck. And then I can get up into this, this scaffolding on the side of New York city. And if you ever, and that's the other thing too, if you've ever been to New York city, this is, it's a very surreal experience because they did such a damn good job recreating it. Um, so I, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm enjoying everything about it. Uh, I think they made some really smart decisions. I think they succeed in a lot of ways where destiny failed. Um, and I'm also, I'm a sucker for a good co-op experience and uh, I've been enjoying playing this with my friends a, a lot. And uh, we, we, a good buddy of mine, Ben, who I uh, used to podcast with, he, he doesn't really podcast anymore. But um, uh, we've been friends for a long time. We, uh, I probably play with him more than anything. And one night we were playing and, 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 he, and he stops and he goes, dude, this sounds like the freaking Ubisoft press demo. Like the way we're talking to each other, because we're like, okay, I'm gonna flank from the left. All right, cover me. I need suppressing fire, and we stop. We're like, this is the cheesiest crap, but I'm loving it. So you know, I, I you're don't... not you're not the first person I hear saying that. Uh, a bunch of people have been saying it's incredible that Ubisoft press video that you when you watch it, you're you're like, there. This sounds so fake. It's ridiculous. Why would they do that? And, and then actually in the end, that's how you sound like when, when you play the game. Yeah, especially when one of the bosses comes out. It becomes serious mode. It's like, oh, God, all right, I'm switching to my, <laughs> switching to my, uh, my light machine gun. All right, suppressing fire, suppressing fire, grenade out. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. I love so, it. I love it to pieces. What level are you? Uh, I hit 25 last night. All right. So I'm only level five, so I really have tried the very beginning, right? Okay. But I need your help, Garrett. All right. I, I, I am not liking this game. And I don't okay. understand why I'm the only person in the world who is not having a good time. You know? What, 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 I, okay. Uh, um, well, I don't know. Do you, so, do okay. You... Let, me, let, let me tell you what I'm not liking about it. Um, I feel like... So, first of all, it's very frustrating in the sense that um, the I've, I'm fully ready to accept the ridicule that is going to come with this statement. I've died so much, I think the game is too hard in the beginning. And not too hard, but I'm not understanding something. Really? And when I, whenever I come across, you know, one of those last boss encounters with a bunch of people where they're like, uh, attention, more bad guys are coming, be careful. And I'm like, I often run out of bullets trying to kill everyone and I get shot I use I I have to restart the thing maybe five times or six times to finally get the boss I don't understand how the the mechanics work so that you can actually you know I try to run to another part of the map and and get in another cover situation and get a flank on the the enemies but it just never works I always get shot in the face and the um you know some of the the little enemies show up run close to you yelling and you're trying to to shoot them but then it becomes super awkward the the controls aren't made for close quarter quarter so you try to shoot them and it doesn't really work well and then uh it's it, it's actually you can fire from the hip uh which is great when someone kind of surprises you 
Um, if you just pull the trigger without aiming down sight, you'll just fire uh, kind of blindly from the hip. Um, so if you have a shotgun and someone rushes you, that's not a bad way to handle it. Although I, I honestly, I aim all the time, even when they're close to me. And I don't really have too much of an issue with that. Mm. So, um, mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly really, uh, I'm surprised to hear that. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not trying to come down on you, but I don't think I died until I hit like level 12 when snipers started showing up. Wow. Um, I, so, snipers suck in this game. <laughs> <laughs> um, they are they're scary. Um, so I think the first thing I would say is, uh, in the beginning, you're right. I did have issues with those guys that rush you. Um, well, no, actually, but, it's not even those guys that I have issue with. I, I, I managed to deal with them. It's just awkward in the movement part. It's just like the, the bosses. Yeah. And like overall, I get shot all the time. I just, I get, you know, I, I'm in cover. I go up a little bit and then they, they shoot me over the, the, the cover. And I just, you know, it, and most of all, the gunplay doesn't feel satisfying. And I think it's, it's kind of, this game feels to me like the anti-Destiny. You know, it does everything that Destiny didn't do well it does it great. But everything that Destiny did do well, it does it poorly. Um, the, basically, the gunplay in Destiny was stellar, is stellar, uh, super satisfying, uh, and everything else ex- sucked, right? I would expect nothing less from the people who made Halo. Um, sure, sure. But, it, but in uh, the Destiny, I, I, the game gunplay sucks. I don't, I don't, or you mean the division? Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry, in the division. I don't yeah. think it sucks. It's, it's definitely not as good when you first start out because you have pretty shitty guns. <laughs> like, like, uh, your, your starter assault rifle has a pretty, it's, it has a pretty miserable accuracy. So it's not going to cluster well. Uh, and it feels a little bullet hosey. Um, yeah, I definitely, that's definitely I definitely noticed that when like, I started. Yeah. Uh, I would defend it a, a little bit by saying, uh, traditionally, I have always felt third-person shooters, the, the shooting just never feels as satisfying as a first-person mm. uh, for the most part. Um, but that, that's, that's not a hair there. I don't know. I've been really enjoying the gunplay. Once, once I you know, leveled up just a hair and found, you know, started getting slightly better weapons. So uh, when does the, the real game... I, I don't know if I'm in the real game now or if I'm still in the intro, introduction-y type of experience. If you're in Brooklyn, you're still in the introductory experience. If you've moved to the main Manhattan map where you can pretty much go anywhere and get your ass kicked if you're not careful, then you're in the main game. I think... So basically, I'm still building up the base. I haven't... Uh, so you, uh, you have the base that you can start building? Yes. You're in the main game. Okay. And that is how it feels from now to 25. Pretty much, yeah. It doesn't, yeah. I, I don't, yeah. I don't know what you're, what you're doing. <laughs> I don't know what your problem is. It sounds, it sounds like, um, without watching your gameplay, it sounds like you're, you're moving up too soon and too eagerly because maybe, um, if you're playing by yourself, that is absolutely the way to get your ass kicked. <laughs> Hmm. Um, I try to stay hidden, but then they throw grenades, and I have to run somewhere else and. Maybe maybe I'm gonna make use of that Twitch website and and see how the pros do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I um I always have a a, a side. I, I always when I'm when I'm in a piece of cover, I'm always paying attention to my right or left because I know that you know eventually a grenade's gonna come. Um, so mm. I don't want to move up because that's dangerous. So I move sideways. So I stay at roughly the same distance that I currently am, but I get away from the friggin' grenade. Okay. Um, and that red circle that the grenade makes is is incredibly literal. You can be a pixel outside of it, and you're fine. Yeah. 
Um, so the, the thing, like the big thing in this game, I feel like is don't panic. Like, uh, if, if, if grenade comes in, don't just like run away and without a plan. Um, cause you'll just get just picked off. That is what happens sometimes. And I, and I haven't played with anyone yet. I'm yeah. only playing solo, which gotcha. Yeah. Mm. Um, which, which I've done the majority of my play solo. But okay. I, so I, it is possible. It's not like I'm playing absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, it, it, I would recommend uh, for you. Have you tried the turret? Have you even unlocked it yet? I haven't unlocked it. Okay. Uh, I've only um, gotten the, the medical wing uh, up and running. So. Gotcha. Um, well, go do missions with lightning bolts uh, and unlock the turret. Because uh, it, it, there's, a, there's a debuff in this game called Suppressed. And it's, uh, if you're firing at someone but you haven't killed them enough, uh, you, can, you have a chance to apply the suppression debuff and they will just hide indefinitely while they're being targeted. Um, and your okay. and your turret will let you do that. Um, so it, it's almost like having a second player with you. All right. Okay. Um, so that definitely helps. But you can do again. You can do it without it. Um, I, I think you should probably just stay further back than you think. And uh, but then and, I can't. I can't kill anyone. I have to empty like two magazines to kill one person. Get a marksman rifle and an assault rifle. Uh, I have the police M4. I think the one you okay, get. Okay. Yeah, you that's what I had. I, I, yeah, I, I used. Okay. Yeah, I'm just bad, I guess. I used that gun until like level twelve, um, and All it right. was fine. Yeah, I I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna keep playing. I'm gonna keep trying, um, and and we'll see because this is definitely not definitive impressions on the game. And there have been many games I didn't like at first and ended up loving. Um, yeah. But yeah, for some reason, I feel very estranged from the rest of the gaming community because everyone loves it, and I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. Why am I so bad and why am I not enjoying... You know, it's not just that I'm dying. It's that I'm genuinely not enjoying the minute-to-minute uh, -minute action of playing the game. So, but, you know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I, I'll keep playing. I'll definitely not give up uh, now. I'll give it more, <laughs> more time. Well, you know, it, it's fine. If, it, it's okay not to like something. Bad. Of course, of course. But it's just, <laughs> it feels like... It feels strange. It feels like there's something I'm not getting. Like there are games that I don't enjoy, but I understand their appeal, right? Yeah. Let's I think Bloodborne and the Dark Souls type games is the most uh a clear example of that. I got into oh. Bloodborne, played for 10 hours. It wasn't for me, but I understand what people find in it, right? I'm right there with you on that, by the way. I hate those games. <laughs> I hate them so yeah. much. But see, yeah, for it's not it's it's not that I dislike the division. It's just I don't understand what element of gameplay makes it so successful, and I want to understand. So I'm going to keep trying. Yeah, for me, it's it, it it's really it just comes down to that type of cover based combat, and it's something I really enjoy. I don't know if it's because I used to play paintball. Like I I don't know, but uh, I love it. Yeah, and you didn't even mention the loot fiesta that the game appears to be, which uh, is a motivating factor for many players. So, the, oh, the loot, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, that's just kind of a given. I, so I didn't feel like bringing it up. Like it, right. it has that Diablo hook. It's like just one more mission, just one more weapons cache. I just want to see what I get. Yeah. Well, all right. I'll, I'll keep trying and uh, hoping for better gear that will allow me to outlevel the missions I'm doing and finally not die. Make friends. It's definitely way better with other people. But I don't like interacting with people in a social manner. I just, well, 
Yeah. Then you need to not suck, Patrick. <laughs> All right. That is the only solution. The only solution is for me to not suck. Um, all right, so the uh, not the anti destiny, the anti uh, division, which is the des- uh, destiny, uh, is going to have a, a spring update on April twelfth. So if you're playing destiny still, or if you're waiting for something to get back in, um, that might be the time. It's going to have one additional strike and light level increase and a bunch of other stuff. We don't have a lot of details yet. It seems to me, from what we've heard so far, that it's a little bit lackluster of an update. Uh, it's also going to be free for everyone who owns the Taken King, so it would, shouldn't be surprising that it's going to be less than the for pay updates we had last year. Um, but yeah, so we'll see. We'll have more details in the coming weeks. Uh, Paragon is available. You know, Paragon is that 3D MOBA by Epic, uh, Epic Games, and uh, I bought into the early access. I figured, um, you know, I want to give it a try. I'm really enjoying Heroes of the Storm, and that's a MOBA. And I like uh, Overwatch, and that's a 3D game, uh, uh, an FPS. So sort of FPS slash TPS um, MOBA, that could be fun. Have you, uh, you, you're not into the game, are you? Um, no, I've, I've barely even looked at it. Uh, all I can say is it's really pretty. Yeah, it's super pretty. Definitely yeah, super it's, pretty. It's, it's um, gorgeous, and it 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 looks like uh, it looks like an epic game. Everything's over engineered, <laughs> and <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's it's gorgeous. It's on the way it looks. It's sort of you know, hmm. I, I sort of have a problem with games that take themselves too seriously a little bit. It's kind of like. I don't know why, but I need a little bit of of uh, uh, self awareness in well, my there's games. There's why you're not liking the division, man. There's a game that takes itself way too serious. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, even the division, I think it's sort of a storytelling kind of setup that makes sense in that context. Whereas Paragon, you have all of these characters that are like, we're badasses and we're super cool and we are like awesome, and you're like. Yeah, okay, it's kind of almost like uh, Call of Duty in a sense in that there is no no yeah, as I was saying, no self-awareness. It's all serious all the time and we try to it's almost like the game is made for 14-year-olds. And mm. and I guess in a sense maybe it is. Um I don't know. Although I'm sure they're not the biggest uh the pe- people who are going to play pay the most for a free-to-play game, so I'm not sure that's the case, but it's like the 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 super i don't i don't want to just be describing uh blizzard all the time because they have a lot of self-reference and and a lot of humor in the games and it's not just them it's hard not to bring them up right now what with the Mm. overwatch short just coming out and having a really great sense of humor and also a great sense of like wonder to it yeah um but I mean, I mean, there's different aesthetics and and, and different takes. I mean, this is yeah, clearly the route sure. that they want to go, and I'm I'm with you. It is not what I appreciate, mm. but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, and I mean, also, also, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I know very little about the game, but I'm assuming it is just a PvP game, right? There's no campaign yes. mode or anything like that. Yes, um, absolutely. I'm of the belief that your story doesn't matter in PvP only games. Yeah, it's not it's, just it, about the story, though. It's not just the story. It's just the character design feels like over the top, and it's almost like, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like it's this super uh, lowbrow, uh, you know, like a, a, a summer blockbusters with with so many explosions and the the super buff dude and the super sexy girl, and you're like, 
okay, I get what you're trying to do, but like these people don't exist in real life. It's it's not even about not existing in. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so. I guess. Uh, the, the, I mean, you're also aesthetics. describing every game Epic has ever made. That is true. That is absolutely uh, true. Gears of War was the same yeah. way. Although, yeah. I guess Bulletstorm, while it had that look, um, it clearly was trying to be funny, and I feel like it succeeded. Right. I don't even remember if I played Bulletstorm, but uh, I, I, I didn't. I didn't either. But um, yeah. But it, I appreciated. Bit of, I, yeah. I appreciated what they were going for, which is humor through ridiculous violence. Right, right. Um, which is something that I do like, uh, and it's something I, that's what I liked about Gears of War. Is like I, I, I think the game took itself too seriously. I don't think it meant uh, to be funny, but I found the uh, ridiculous amounts of gore to be hysterical. Yeah, no, I think you know Gears of War was over the top, and it was definitely uh, you know it was you know, man bros high-fiving each other in, you know, they looked like elephants. They were so large and... Yeah, I really think it could have used more humor, though. Like, you have have the voice of Bender voicing your main character. Oh, I don't don't rewatch Futurama. But um, (laughs) the the thing is, it was so over the top with the the bloodbath, like literal bloodbaths. It was spraying everywhere that it was kind of funny. And, And there are some games that don't have that i mean anyway coming back to paragon it feels like each character is is badass and in their own right they're kind of cool but when you only have that in the entire game and everyone trying to one-up each other being more badass and it's like no i'm cooler no i'm cooler like it's kind of the subtext of the game so i think it what feels... you're saying is it's homogenized like mm-hmm. No, I mean, it doesn't. Yeah. There's not a. There's not enough to set each other apart. Other than this person uses a bow and arrow, this person uses a gun. This guy's a hulking I mean, character. They they have different designs for sure. They look very different. They're different styles of badass. But it's all. Anyway, all right. Let's not spend too much time on the <laughs> on the design, which is clearly it doesn't work for me. But the game itself, um, it is extremely MOBA e. It feels like, from what I know, which is admittedly not a lot, it feels like they've taken the MOBA formula and made it into a 3D thing. And I'm sure there are changes for sure. You know, obviously when you go 3D, it's going to be different, but it feels like it is much closer to a traditional MOBA than to, uh, uh, you know, easier MOBA or a shooter MOBA or an FPS, competitive FPS type thing. It is very close to the MOBA aesthetic, and not aesthetic, but system. And so I played a couple of games against with all bots, and we were destroying the opposing team. Like it was announcing an enemy kill every, literally like every 10 seconds. And, oh, wow. and it still took like 25 minutes to finish the game. It felt so slow and so, it was so laborious. It was... I'm going to try it again. I mean, I paid good money for it. I'm definitely <laughs> going to going to try it again. Um but that was not great for for again, for me, not a MOBA fan. Um it didn't feel like it was the game that I would enjoy. Again, mm. uh some other games I've tried and didn't like at first and ended up loving like Heroes. Although Heroes I was kind of into it a little bit but didn't quite get it. It wasn't as negative an experience initially. It was just I wanted very small doses before I really got into it. This one, I'm like, ah, why is this happening that way? Why is it not? You know how, sorry, again, coming back to Blizzard and Valve and and Rockstar and all of those companies that take the essence of a game and make 
everything around it fun. Paragon feels like they've kept a lot of the tedium of the style of game they're trying to emulate. And it is still early beta, whatever, it's still in development, absolutely. So all of this might change, but it's the impression it gave me um, when I when I tried it, so. Well, yeah. Not, sounds like you're having a rough time with games, Patrick. Well, I'm still playing <laughs> Overwatch. I'm loving that. So there's that. Um, well, uh, Daybreak uh, Game Company is having a hard time with uh, EverQuest Next. It's well, been I don't think they're having a hard time with it anymore. Yeah, not anymore. Um, it's kind of sad. I mean, EverQuest is uh, the first MMO for many of us. Had you, have you ever played EverQuest? Or Oh, God, no, no. Guild Wars oh. was my first MMO, and I very quickly traded it in for World of Warcraft. Okay, yeah. Uh, well, so my first MMO, actually my first MMO was uh, was before EverQuest, but it was my first serious MMO. Um, and it, EverQuest Next has been canceled um what to say about it i'm i'm not entirely surprised it i'm sad because it's definitely a team that deserves better um but everquest next felt like a game that was the feverish dream of a developer that was throwing in everything he wished he could have in a fantasy world into a box and saying this is going to be my game without any consideration of actual gameplay that should work um yeah that pretty much sums up my thoughts on it too it was really again it was really pretty and uh as someone who really enjoys mmos i'm sad uh to see it go even though i i'm not invested in everquest in the least but um yeah i don't know man it's uh it sounds like it was for the best i mean it sounds like they're kind of pulling a blizzard like it's like well we couldn't really find the fun so we're canceling it but yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I I would love to. I want a good, you know, new shiny MMO that's not uh, over <laughs> World of Warcraft. Old. Yeah, but that's not World I, of Warcraft. You know, I don't know if we want something like this. I mean, it's been discussed quite a bit, uh, especially with the uh, cancellation of EverQuest Next, which, if you don't know, it was basically trying to be uh, to include AI elements that would spawn certain monsters that would have sort of an ecosystem, uh, wildlife of monsters that would develop, and you would influence the that uh, fauna and, and uh, by by going and killing some of the mobs, and it would generate other camps somewhere else, and it was like like more of a living breathing world than any game you've ever seen um so yeah it's been canceled a wild star is apparently not doing great they're laying off people carbine studio is is laying off people so there's been a lot of discussions about uh, is the time of the mmo passed and i think it might be uh because the mmo elements have passed on to lots of other games we've been talking about the the division um uh, it has lots of multiplayer not quite mmos but there's influences there yeah i, I mean honestly the division and destiny trip to me feel a lot more diablo like um agree and i don't i don't think that's a bad thing uh and no i agree with you um I, I think that's a bit of the direction everything is heading but i don't think mmos are dead i i, I just think I, I don't know i think they we need whoever makes the next great mmo they're gonna have to figure out how to uh, change it up uh, uh, so, I mean, because that was my problem with Wildstar, right? I got in the Wildstar uh, and I was instantly bored. Um, 
Really? I loved it so much. I loved the aesthetic. I loved the world. I loved uh, just the characterization uh, in that game. But the second I started playing, I'm like, this is freaking wow. I'm just tra- traveling from point A to point B, killing X amount of things, collecting crap and turning it in. Um, and and I don't think you can do that anymore and have a successful game. So, well, the MMO idea is always associated with playing lots and, and spending a lot of time in the game. Would you like to invest yourself so much into a game now? Or would you like an MMO that doesn't demand so much of you? Um, well, I already have that because WoW has been changed so much that it doesn't demand all that much of me anymore. <laughs> True. Um, but, I mean, I just want a good game is what I'm saying. Like, I want, I want a new experience. I, I don't want the same old talk to the guy with the exclamation point, go get the stuff, bring it back to him. Now he's gives you some XP. You're good. Uh, and I don't, and I don't know what that is. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not helping the problem. But so but, what would make it, you know, what would put that category of games into an MMO? Is it like having lots of different people on one dedicated server that is your world and that you can, that is, uh, uh, persistent. Is that I, what would make it an MMO? Like, like for me, like I think destiny came, probably the closest but they definitely failed uh like if you could give me an experience like destiny um but actually deliver with enough content and a world that didn't feel as small and as limited as destiny's world did and still does after a major expansion um like that i think that would have had its hooks in me like i expected destiny to be like my next wow and it is so not because Mm -hmm. they don't update it enough uh, and that world feels tiny. Earth feels like just that that rusted <laughs> Russia section. Like, what about dumb. what about why, the division? Why would though? you do that? What about the division? Though is it is it not that that's, kind I of think, experience? I, I, that that I think is why is is a big reason why I'm enjoying the division so much because the world is huge, even though it is just New York. But there is a great deal of variety within it. You have these little parks. You you can move in and out of apartment buildings with no load times and the attention to detail in those apartment buildings is incredible. Um, it just, it feels like a, a, a large living, breathing world for the most part, even though, you know, once again, everything kind of just wants to kill you <laughs> outside of the safe zones. But, um, I think that's why I'm enjoying that division so much is just because, um, of how large the world feels, which is hilarious because it is just New York city. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas destiny is uh our solar system yet the division feels larger than destiny (laughs) yeah that is interesting indeed um all right okay um i feel like there is there is more discussion to be had about where mmos go next uh i i don't think we're gonna see one Maybe there's going to be something that's going to happen and that's going to make it popular again. But I think that World of Warcraft is the one that is the only one left. And I'm definitely looking forward to Legion, but I'm going to be playing it for two, three, four months. I don't think they're going to get their hooks back in me for constant playing, which is what I associate with MMOs. So Yeah, I, I agree. I'm very excited for Legion as well. It, it's it, That's... It, as a wow fan as a a fan of that world and that lore like it legion is everything is all of my favorite crap about wow because i love (laughs) elves and it's just all elves all the time plus the burning legion like bring it on but uh 
Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't feel my. I don't. I don't see myself ever reaching uh, Wrath of the Lich King levels of uh, involvement again in World. So of you're not going to be playing, you know, four hours a day every day for like a year. No, but I also. I mean, I I, I can't. I got. I have to play Hearthstone. I have to play Heroes, man. Like <laughs> <laughs> Blizzard has ruined it for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as it stays in the family. Yeah, um, exactly. They've they've ruined it for me in the best way possible by giving me other experiences <laughs> that I also love. Um, all right, Riot Games. You might know them because they are the developer of a little game called uh, League of Legends. Uh, huh, they just—I I, I haven't heard of this game. Please it tell is, me more. It, well, go look it up. You might find it in some corners of the internet. Um, they have bought uh, Radiant Entertainment, and I'm sure you haven't heard about Radiant Entertainment, but they are made up of uh, partly members of the Street Fighter community, and they had been developing Rising Thunder, a free-to-play fighting game, which um, had been doing pretty well. It, the, ga the goal of the game was to um, do a uh, super easy-to-get-into fighting game with no complex motions to make uh, difficult moves, but focused rather on the strategy of, uh, you know, uh, of the game of playing rather than the execution and uh, it's really interesting to me because they had another game as well called stone hearth um they it's really interesting to me because um they are uh basically potentially buying a fighting game and knowing their expertise in esports it's super exciting that we might get another entrant in the in the market of uh successful esports fighting games uh street fighter 5 has had the issues we know uh it's still going okay but um yeah i i would love for that space to be revitalized a little bit and that's a potential prospect of uh riot uh buying uh rising thunder basically yeah i love the style of this game by the way yeah i've been talking the, a the lot robots. about robots yeah yeah they're just i love the art style so much it's so fun yeah it is very um uh How to define it? I don't even know. It's like, yeah, fun with robots, and they're almost Pixar-y as well. Yeah, it has a, it has a bit of that Pixar. Like, I, I see a little bit of the Iron Giant in a lot of these guys. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Iron Giant, absolutely. Uh, Big Hero 6, even. Yeah, yeah. No, it has a very animated appeal, which I, which I dig. That being said, never been one for fighters, for the most part, really. Yeah. Well, um, so. until Blizzard does one. I, I'm not even sure even Blizzard could make me a fighting game fan. Uh, I, I'm sure they could. Because Nintendo I would force with, you to uh, play. With, with, with the Smash Brothers, but that's not really a fighter. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't want to insult any Smash Bro Brothers fans there, but, uh, you know, anyway. Um, let's not <laughs> keep going down that slope. Um <laughs> Talking about Nintendo, uh, their first mobile game is out in Japan. And, uh, well, game should be used with quotes. It's uh, Mitomo, their chat app thing. Um, they basically, yeah. you build a me, and then you tell it stuff about yourself, and then it goes out into the world and comes back and tells you what it's heard from other people through their me's. And there are a few little gameplay things here and there. Um, yeah, just you know first game first app uh nintendo app on uh ios and is it on android I d i'm not even sure um it's you know it's not the most incredible thing ever but it's important <laughs> because it's nintendo right 
Yeah. It's being downloaded a lot, though. It's uh, I don't know. I, it's really hard for me to feign interest in this. It's, it's uh, yeah, uh, seems boring. Super low on my radar. I'm still gonna download it when it comes out in the West. Uh, I'll set up my me and everything, but I, I doubt I'm gonna spend a lot of time on it. I'll wait for the next app, which is hopefully gonna be a proper game. Yeah. Yes. Not for me. And that is it for our episode of Pixels. Thank you so much, Garrett, for being on. Um, oh, Patrick, you know I love coming on and talking games and uh, telling you stink in the division. <laughs> well, we'll see how things uh, evolve from now um, with uh, with that amazing game, I guess. Play safer than you think you need to. All right. I'll, I'll try, and uh, I hopefully will get some sound advice from my uh, good friend and expert and division expert, Garrett, to uh, guide me through those uh, hazardous waters of the division. I almost said the, the, the destiny. The um, destiny. <laughs> uh, so where are you at with stuff and things on the internet? Where can people find you? Oh, I'm at so many places with so many things. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Garrett Art. There's two R's and two T's in Garrett. One R and one T in Art, just in case you weren't aware. <laughs> um, and all of the podcasts that I do can be found at amove.tv. Check out Angry Chicken for Hearthstone. Check out Into the Nexus for Heroes of the Storm. Check out the Angry Nerd, uh, where I recently spent a lot of time talking about The Division. And, uh, of course, uh, there's this show with these two jackasses called uh, Overwatchers, which you should check out if you dig Overwatch. And you should dig Overwatch. I mean, it is an awesome game, and uh, we talk about it all the time. Are we going to do an episode next week? Probably. I mean, if nothing else, we have the short to talk about. Um, yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I, some I, other things we'll might happen until then. So Yeah, we, uh, I mean, we have a week, so we'll yeah, see. True. So Overwatchers at amove.tv uh, is where you'll find all of this. Uh, I'm not Patrick on Twitter and on Facebook. And uh, you can find this show at frenchspin.com. And you will also find The Phileas Club, which is a show where I talk about uh, stuff happening in the world with people from different countries. And it's actually a lot of fun. And it's super, I, I mean, if I dare say so myself, it's super interesting. The last episode, actually, um, we did with uh, I did with uh, Wendy Dunford, uh, who's Scott Johnson's sister. Uh, I, maybe you've heard her on uh, the morning stream, which is a podcast that he does. Um, and we talked about high school cliques in the US and try to uh, understand and explain what they are and why they exist and how different they are from the <laughs> actual, um, the actual, you know, the, the pop culture references that we have, me, I have as a, a European, the only way I'm exposed to those weird social constructs uh, is through movies and TV shows. So we discussed that. Yeah. It was super fun. I was in the artist slash garage band click. Oh, that sounds like a, a, a pretty cool click. Not, you know, on the bottom of the, of the geek barrel, like maybe some other people were. It, uh, it, it, it worked out pretty well for me, especially after uh, many, many years of private Catholic school where I was uh, horrendously unpopular. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. Um, there, well, you know, we also talk about how people end up when they're in the popular crowd and uh, what happens to them in afterwards, you know, in real life when they grow up and uh, why maybe that it happens in this way and that way and what explains. It, it, go listen to the show. It's super fun. Man, now um, I want to talk about that because I find it so fascinating because <laughs> my high school was so big uh, that, I mean, they're kind of were clicks, but uh, like. I had 
you know, I was a nerd, but I had a bunch of friends from the football team because a bunch of them were drummers and bands that I played in. And like there was all this mink- like intermingling between cliques. There's yeah, there's definitely some of that. I mean, um, that's what uh, Wendy was mentioning as well. It's not like it's as strict as you you might see it in the movies. Uh, obviously, Hollywood exaggerates everything. Uh, but we also had a comment on the blog, uh, I think from Casey, who was saying it actually, at least for her, in her experience, she had um, uh, 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 she was in two different high schools, one of them super large with like uh, 2.5 thousand students and another one super small with less than 400. And the cliques were a lot more visible in the smaller one. It was a lot more defined. So uh, that might also have to do with it. Yeah, because um, like when I was in a grade school, with the, the, the private school I was in, like, you know, the really small class and it was super harsh. They were harsh yeah. divides. And then I got to a high school, a public high school with 2,400 students. And, uh, oh, it was, the lines were very blurry. Hmm. Yeah. So that might, that seems to corroborate that, uh, that sentiment that Casey mentioned. So anyway, go listen to the show. I mean, there's lots of super interesting stuff in there as well. It's the Fidesz Club. It's at frenchspin.com where this show is also uh, available. Uh, Next week, well, for next episode, I'm actually going to be in Japan by the time uh, the next recording is supposed to happen. I'm not sure how it's going to work because time zones are going to get all crazy. Um, I'll figure it out eventually, but maybe for the first uh, episode when I'm in Japan, I'll I'll be there for a couple of months, a little bit longer than that even. Um, But for the beginning, I might... I don't know. I'll see how I manage things, but uh, certainly we'll find uh, ways to do the show while I'm there because I'm going to be there for a long time. So if I don't do the show, it's not going to work out for me. I really want to talk about video games with my friends in English. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens. But uh, follow me on Twitter if you want to see what happens in Japan when I'm there or what happens around me when I'm in Japan. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll be back uh, hopefully in two weeks, maybe a little bit later. Thanks so much, Garrett, for being with me. Thanks to you, dear listener, for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.